and welcome to the Stafford Boxing Report. I am Sheila Stafford, the complete voice for the future of women in the global boxing industry as boxers and businesswomen. Stafford Boxing, the making of champions. Please like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Today is a special day. I have the first lady of boxing, Jackie Kaplan Callen, author, motivational speaker, and podcast host. Ms. Kaplan made the blueprint for other women to follow in and out of the boxing industry. We are honored to have her here today. Ms. Jackie Kaplan. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I guess you got that name off of my Facebook where I have my maiden name and my former married name because I had been hacked. And so instead of Jackie Callen, I had to add my maiden name just to start a whole new page. So, but I'm actually known as Jackie Callen and that's the name I go by. But it's so nice to hear Kaplan because that was my maiden name and I used it for so many years. Oh, wow. Well, first, I would like to say thank you for being here today. It is an honor to have you because you have inspired women like me entering into the boxing industry and to have confidence, determination, diligence, and focus to follow through with our dreams, goals, as well as our aspirations. And I'm sorry that you got hacked, by the way. It's been I hacking. know. Well, we all do. I think it's part of being online. It's just hacking is what they do. One day, everybody gets these emails from you that aren't really from you. So we're all kind of used to that. But I appreciate your kind words because when I started in the boxing business, oh, 44 years ago, there were no women. So it was the Wild West. You know, it was uncharted territory for females both as fighters, as publicists, as boxing writers, certainly as managers and promoters. So I think women have come a long way in the last four decades. And I'm so proud to have led the march and kind of opened some doors because I think there's a lot of places for women in this sport. It just took, you know, the boxing world a little bit of time to realize that we have a place here as well. And I totally agree with you. So you answered my first question, actually, because I was going to ask you, how did you get the name the First Lady of Boxing? Well, actually, I think because I was probably the first female that kind of ventured into this all-male sport, but I got into it in a kind of a backdoor way because I started as a publicist for Emanuel Stewart and the Kronk Boxing Gym. And that was after I had interviewed a young Tommy Hearns. I was a journalist. I was sent to do a story and kind of fell in love with the sport. I thought it was such an intriguing sport. You know, it was a one-on-one, -on -one, no team behind you kind of sport. And only the strong survived. You know, it was mano a mano. And and I kind of saw boxing as a microcosm of life. You know, you can get knocked down, but you got to get back up and you can lose a round, but there's still another round to fight. 
and a lot of the metaphors in boxing applied to life. So I got sucked into the sport. And one day I just said, I'd like to really get involved more. I'd like to know more about boxing. And that changed my life. And you know what? I have talked about that to Graham and Mike, how a lot of the professional boxers now, and especially some of the youth, where we can use the sport of boxing as um, part of a mentoring program. Because like you said, when you get knocked out, you'll stay down, but you have to think, am I going to get back up? Am I going to at least try to continue? But sometimes you can't get back up. I understand a knockout is very serious and it can be very powerful. So I totally get it, but I agree with everything that you said. So I want to go a little back. Now, you were also a consultant for, I believe his name was Mark Burnett for a TV reality series. Am I correct? Yes, it was called The Contender. And it aired in, I think, 2005. And it was with Sylvester Stallone, Sugar Ray Leonard. And I was kind of the den mom to these 16 fighters, male fighters, so we all lived together. And it was very, very interesting to do, to just watch the dynamics of what makes a fighter. And they're all different. And it's like any other walk of life, any other occupation, you're going to find good, bad, and indifferent, and, and everything in between. So it really inspired me to get to know even more about what makes a fighter. And now I'm in the development stage on a show called Queen of the Ring, which is a female boxing show, which is going to look for who is the best female fighter out there, um, who we may not know about yet. So we're going to start that this fall, and I'm very excited to do that. And every day is a new challenge. And I think that my connection to the boxing world has made me a stronger person as well. Because when you see what goes into a professional boxer's preparation, you realize that you have to really work hard for whatever you want. Nothing comes easy. And like you say, you do get knocked down and sometimes you get knocked out. But that doesn't end your career. Fighters get knocked out and they come back and they redeem themselves the next fight and they keep going. And that's how we are in life. You know, I've had my setbacks. I'm sure you have, everybody has, you know, we take the good with the bad and that mixture is what makes us who we are. And that combination of ups and downs is what colors the tapestry of our life. It's what makes us interesting. Can't be good all the time. And, and thankfully it's not bad all the time, but it's really what we make of these ups and downs that make us who we are. And I like what you said is the key word that we make of it. Because a lot of times when we are going through that hardship, that trouble, that I don't know if I'm going to make it or I just want to give up, there's always another way that we should look at things. And that's why I tell people emotions. Our emotions, they can be so powerful. Yes. And they can be, they can make, put us in a situation far away from what we were even trying to do from the beginning. 
So I like the way that you said that. So to all of our viewers, you're getting it raw, you're getting it here, you're getting it first class, first hand. These are some very powerful words that is being said. And another reason why I'm saying this too is because you said that when you first entered into the boxing industry, there wasn't any women there. So a lot of the things that you had to deal with is, is, is kind of mind boggling to me. So let me ask you something. How did you deal with those experiences that you had to go through? Well, I would say with humor, because humor diffuses a lot. And when I was in a situation where somebody was rude or disrespectful or in other ways inappropriate, I would kind of laugh it off or I'd come back with a comeback that was funny or that was a little snide, maybe a little sarcastic, but it kind of broke the tension in the air. So instead of reacting negatively and being all upset and, and fighting back, I would just kind of laugh it off and say, oh, I know you didn't mean it that way. Or, you know, you must be having a bad day or I don't know what you've been drinking, but, you know, I think we got to start all over here. And I would always kind of diffuse the situation rather than incite it, ignite it, or make it worse than what it could have been. And it's worked well for me because I learned you don't burn a bridge, specifically in business and in boxing for sure, because chances are you may have to work with that same person again. And so you keep it light and you don't carry a grudge. Grudges are heavy. I don't want to have that weight on me. So if someone has been rude or disrespectful, I clear the air and say, why don't we just move forward from here? I'm going to assume you didn't mean that. And let's just keep moving forward. And it's worked for me. And after that, I find that the person is more respectful and treats you a lot differently. And maybe it's just been good luck or good fortune, but it's really worked for me. This question that you just answered was very important to me. The reason why is because we have people, some of our viewers, those are watching now, those that are going to be watching afterward, that are going through some things, whether it's in their personal life, their business life, and on their job. And just how you said it, sometimes how we react to a certain situation can get that other person or person's attitude and their, their way of thinking to change, which will benefit the bigger cause. So thinking about the consequences, not burning bridges. Because That's working for me. Sheila, I, I've been in situations where I could have been very angry or I could have reacted very negatively. And I thought, what's the point? The point is I want to make friends in this world and in this business. I don't want to make enemies. And I don't want people to walk away thinking, what a bitch, or she's really hard to work with. So I would just put on a smile. And like I say, I would diffuse it the best I could. And, you know, I know that there's a very powerful Me Too movement. And there are some women that have been badly abused and 
treated very inappropriately. And for them, I feel horrible. But I decided that I would take that bull by the horns and I would never be a victim of that because I would handle it in the way that worked for me and not make an enemy and and still keep a friend, but while letting them know that what they did wasn't quite right and they need to straighten up their act. And I think if you're a strong woman, men don't know what to do with that. So they back down. They prey on the weak. And when they find a woman who's tough and strong, they'll back down. It's like any bully. That is true. I, I like everything that you just said. Okay, so I would like to know, why did you make the decision to be a boxing manager? It wasn't really a decision where I thought about it and said, oh, this is what I want to be. I was a journalist and I was doing the publicity for the Kronk Boxing Gym. And a young fighter from Chicago named Bobby Hitz came to Detroit to fight George Foreman. And this was back in the late 80s. He didn't have a manager. And I thought, oh, I thought every fighter had a manager. I didn't know that some fighters represented themselves. And I thought, well, don't you want a manager? I felt kind of bad that he was basically by himself. And he said, well, maybe that would be, you know, a good idea. And I said, well, let's talk about it. Well, he didn't win the fight, but I decided I'd still like to work with him. And so he was kind enough and insightful enough to let me take the reins and manage him. And it was just a great experience for me. And he and I are still best friends. He's a big promoter now in Chicago. And, uh, we have a wonderful friendship that was built out of trust. He trusted me to manage him and that I trusted that, that he would be loyal, which he has been. And while we were in the gym working together, other fighters saw me working with him and said, wow, maybe it's not so bad to have a female manager. And it opened the door for other fighters to approach me. And that's how I got James Tony, who became my first champion and Kenny Gould and Bronco McCart and so many of the other wonderful young men that, and women that entrusted me with their careers. That, that is amazing. Um, now, what is the boxing manager's responsibility to the fighter? Wow, that's a great question because it differs. Um, I know it's different with the men managers because a lot of them, it's a business deal. They negotiate the contracts for the fighters fights um, and they represent the business end. Now me being a woman, I'm much more nurturing. I'm kind of a surrogate mother to a lot of the fighters. And so for me, it involved going shopping with them, um, tutoring them on how to do interviews, for some of them, helping them get their GED. Um, I got very involved in their families and their girlfriends and their wives and now their children and grandchildren. I hate to say it, I've been doing it so long that a lot of the fighters I worked with are grandfathers now. And my job was more than just negotiating contracts. It was negotiating life. It was helping a guy buy his first car, um, get his first mortgage on his first house dealing with his wife or girlfriend's pregnancy um just so many little life lessons that 
were certainly out of the ring um, as well as taking care of the business in the ring. So for me, the, the managerial role um, is a lot broader than it might be for some of the men. It really is because this is the first time that I've even heard of everything that you just said. It was like you were a manager, you were um, a mentor. And like you said, because women, we are nurturing. It's like mm -hmm. we're the, the other mother. That's deep. I just, that is unbelievable. Is. You have to love what you do. And I love all the different things I do in life are all the things that I chose. I picked to do these things. So I picked them because I love them. And if I didn't love managing and promoting and motivational speaking and writing, I wouldn't have chose those things. But I picked the things that I was interested in. I stayed away from the things I couldn't do. That's why you don't see me singing or dancing or acting or playing tennis or golf or uh, there's a million things I can't do. But the list of things that I was good at was a short list, but I focused on those things. And I think in life, if you pick the things that you're good at, you're going to be successful. If you pick things that are out of your wheelhouse or maybe not in your capability range, and I knew what I wasn't good at, then you can be very successful. And I'm passionate about boxing. It's what I chose to do. I'm passionate about journalism. I love writing. So I pick things I like. When I go out and do a motivational speech, whether uh, my speech could be to 50 people or could it be 3,000 people, I love it. I love to get out there and talk, share my experiences, and be able to inspire people, inspire any minority. If you're a woman, if you're um, a black, if you're Hispanic, if you're handicapped, whatever your I wouldn't call it a setback, but whatever your challenge is that you want to overcome, you can. You know, it's all a mindset. To me, all the negatives in my life have been lessons. I've learned something from every setback, and I've used that knowledge to maybe not make that same mistake. Um, the medical challenges that I've had have all been extremely informative. You know, I became advocates for things. I've had two bouts with melanoma, malignant melanoma. So I really like to talk to other people who have had that and or are just diagnosed so I can help them with that. I've had two lumpectomies. I have four heart stents. I have glaucoma. I'm actually legally blind in, in my right eye. I have sleep apnea. And so all the different things that I've experienced have made me smarter in those areas. And I try to use that to help other people that might be dealing with the same things um, to share my knowledge and my experience and to let them know that none of these things are all that horrible. You know, they're all things that we can deal with no matter what challenges we are faced with. It's how we, like you said, it's how we react to those challenges that make the difference. We're all going to get something. And you are absolutely right. And everything that you said really touched my heart. And I know that it has touched everybody else's heart because for you, for everything that you've been through and 
you, when I say putting it aside, I don't mean like you've just forgotten about it, but like I said, you see the bigger picture. I always say it's not about us. It's about those that are here and those that are coming after us. So your teaching and your words of wisdom and your experiences, everybody is really going to learn from, from it all. So once again, I have to say, I really do appreciate you. I, I didn't even know you had experienced what it was that you have experienced. And to be here looking as beautiful as you do and vibrant and glowing, I love it. Well, you know what? These are, to me, these are just things that happen to us in life. There are worse things. And, and I've always believed to look at the big picture. So I look at things that could be worse and I'm grateful. And I think gratitude's a big part of my life. I wake up every day and I'm very grateful for another day. And I think, what can I accomplish today? Who can I help today? Who can I impact in a positive way? And that makes our life so meaningful. And to sit and have pity parties, which are the worst parties. I don't want to go to one and I don't want to have one. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that I feel they need to sit there and feel bad for themselves. Like, oh, poor me, I broke a nail or I'm having a bad hair day. I look at the bigger picture and I think I am so blessed. And I have so many wonderful things that are happening to me and have happened to me that, yeah, we're going to have some bad things. You know, I had a husband that walked out on me after 30 years. Oh, well, divorces happen. I'm not the first woman that was ever left. And I certainly won't be the last woman that's husband wanted a divorce. But I moved on and I have someone special in my life now, as does my ex. We're all friendly. And that's the best way to go. I'm not going to stay mad at someone for a choice that they made that was better for their life and turned out fine for me as well. So it, like we said earlier, it's what you make of these things. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. And I'm victorious. I try to be in every situation. And again, it, it's attitude. You can sit back and say, oh, why did that happen? But I choose to just say it happened. Next. Yes, I love it. And you are victorious, by the way. So I have another question. Sure. So from the time when you first started managing your fighters, we know there's a significant change within the boxing industry. Um, as far as with the promoting, the advertising, now we have the Internet of Things, social media platforms, SEO mm -hmm. searches. Would you give us some examples of how you accomplished the goals of getting your fighter's name out to the public? Has I know there's always going to be a change, but I know there's probably still some things that we would use and just we're just adding on to it. Well, publicity is a big part of anything. You know, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't market it and publicize it and nobody knows about it, they're not going to buy it. So marketing is very important. Social media has helped the boxing industry and a lot of other sports so much because back in the day, uh, how did you get the word out about your fighter? We had boxing magazines, but they would only come out like every couple months you would get a magazine out and they'd be written months in advance. So by the time your fighter won a fight, 
it didn't get out there for months. So now we can get the news out instantly. I can go Facebook Live and show the fight while it's happening. So I can get the news out about who my fighter is, what he's doing. It helps for sponsorships. Another great aspect is that with YouTube, you can look up the fighter that your fighter's fighting, and we have a better way to analyze the competition and decide, is this the right fighter at the right time, or maybe we should hold off on this fighter. We didn't have that, that advantage back in the day. If the fighter had fought on TV, there might have been some tape we could get a hold of. But other than that, we would go into the ring blind. My fighter didn't know really much about his opponent. Now you can get tape on anybody. And statistics are easy. We have BoxRec, which is a, a website that tells us all the fights coming up, who's fighting who, what the results were. So it's much easier. As a manager, it's much easier to make fights and to um, study the history of the fighters that your fighter might be fighting. So it's a, it's a form of handicapping the fight in a way because we have more information. But what I liked about fighting back in the days that I started was it was on network TV. So your fighter would be on Wide World of Sports on a Saturday or Friday night fights and everybody at home could see those fights. There weren't that many channels. So when you flipped around, you end up on a fight and hopefully watch it. Now with cable and now, you know, streaming, there's just so many different ways to see fights. And if you don't pay for it, a lot of times you miss the fights. So it's a lot harder for your fighter to become a household name. I mean, back in the day, you'd see Sugar Ray Leonard on a Saturday afternoon. Everyone knew him from the Olympics. So it was relatively easy to promote a fighter like that. It's a lot harder today, even with social media, because the fights themselves are harder to find for some people. I, I can see that. So with the female boxers, what are your thoughts on how female boxers, how they're being promoted? Well, I can honestly say I was so thrilled that a few weeks ago we had a female fight, you know, at Madison Square Garden and it sold out and it was a huge pay-per-view event and the women were the headliners. And that was the first time. So that's pretty exciting. You know, I've been involved in women's boxing for over 20 years. I was the commissioner for female boxing in the late 90s. And I was so proud of some of these women that really worked hard. I mean, they didn't have very many women to spar with, so they always sparred with the men. They still do, mostly. And uh, they took their job, their career so seriously. And it wasn't that easy because a lot of people ridiculed them. Why would a woman want to fight? People said women don't belong in the ring. You know, the same stuff we hear all the time. And women's sports have come a long way. It's not just women's golf or women's tennis or, you know, the WNBA. It's all sports that women want to compete in. Soccer, football, they can do whatever they want. I have friends that their daughters and granddaughters play hockey and, and lacrosse and any sport. So I think it's it's time now that women's boxing does hit the forefront because women want to get in shape and boxing is a great workout. And you do work off a lot of frustrations in the boxing gym, just hitting that heavy bag, hitting the speed bag, getting in there and, and just 
letting off steam. It's very healthy. I mean, it's a lot better than taking Xanax or Valium every day. And some of these women, I have to say, are phenomenal fighters. They are exciting to watch. There's two-minute rounds versus the men's three-minute rounds. So it's a lot of action-packed in every two-minute round. And I love women's boxing. I love watching it. And uh, I love promoting it and getting involved in it. And I'm going to love this show I'm doing, which is going to be a lot of fun. I love it, too. I want to bring something up. Now, this is inspiring right here. There was a movie that was inspired by you. Yes. It was called Against the Ropes. I think it came out um, February 20th, 2004. Meg Ryan played you. And Omar Epps, he was also in the movie as well. Correct. And Carrie those... Washington. Carrie Washington played my friend in the movie, and she went on to have an amazing career since then. Yes. Tony Shalhoub was in it. Joe Cortese was in it. It was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't the real story. They deviated so much from the actual story. Hollywood tends to do that. You know, a writer will get involved, a different director and producer, and before you know it, it's not your story. But I think the fact that they did a movie about a woman in boxing, that was great and showed other women, go for it. If there's a sport or a business or an occupation or career that you want to get involved in and it's mostly men, so what? Go for it. What's stopping you? Absolutely nothing but how you- Nothing think. stopped me. And I tell every other woman and they'll say, well, I want to be, you know, I want to get into, you know, such and such a career. I want to be an attorney or, you know, I want to get into, you know, engineering. Well, just do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. The only thing that could stop me is myself. If I decide I don't want to do something for whatever reason, I won't do it. But nobody from the outside is going to tell me you can't do something. That's not going to happen. Facts. And what we say is no cap. Because everybody who's listening and everybody who's going to be listening, like it was just said, the only person that can stop you from reaching your goals and the destination and that journey that you are going to be walking on and running sometimes and crawling sometimes is going to be you and the way that you think. All that negativity is gone positivity. We're You're 100% right. Travel. You're 100% right because it's your mental attitude. If you say I can, then you will. If you say I can't, that just means I don't think I can, I won't. There's no such thing as you cannot. You can. Facts. And we all can. Yes. What are some gold nuggets that someone gave you that you turned into the, into a gold mine in the boxing industry? Well, I think they're basic life lessons that apply to anything, not just boxing. Um, one of the things that, that meant a lot to me was I was told to just be yourself. And so I never tried to dress down or act like one of the guys. I always was myself. I kept my hair, my nails, my makeup, my outfits, my high heels, my jewelry. 
I was who I was and I am who I am. So it was a question of either accept me for who I am or don't, but I wasn't going to change to fit someone else's idea of who I should be or what I should be. And I don't think anyone should ever do that. Be genuine, be yourself, because that's the only person you really know how to be is who you are. Smile a lot. Like I said, humor is important. Don't let anybody get you down. I learned not to pay attention to what anybody else says about me because frankly, their opinion doesn't matter. I know who I am. That's really all that's important. I don't let other people's jealousies or misconceptions apply to me. I just, I just don't. You develop a thick skin and that's important in any business is to develop a thick skin. You can't run and cry and feel bad about everything because not everybody's going to like you in life. And that's okay because we don't like everybody and it's okay. You surround yourself with a small circle of loyal friends who do care about you. Try to do business with people that respect you and life is great. And you just have to develop, like I said, that attitude of self-confidence of saying, I like who I am and I hope you'll like me, but if you don't, life will go on. And that confidence enables you to accomplish so much. You know, I don't doubt myself. I know what I'm capable of. I don't walk into lanes where I'm not capable because I know I'll fail. So in my own area, I'm extremely confident. I've learned to treat every person I meet identical. I don't treat the people setting up the chairs at the fight any different than the man that owns the building. We're all in this together and each of us play an integral part in the end result. Your part in doing the show is to host it and ask the questions. There'd be no show without you. So you're just as important to the show as I am. And the people setting up a fight are just as important as the man who paid everybody because we each have a part. Every day we each have a part, the person serving us, the person cooking our food, the person that owns the restaurant, the person that parked the car. We're all important because we're each parts of a whole and nothing would work unless all of us were working together. So I learned that and I think it's an important lesson to respect one another and to give each other credit for what we do. And no one is more important than anybody else facts. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, a couple of things that you're involved now, but what else are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things. I'm doing some color commentary this weekend at a fight down in Florida, a celebrity bout, and I'm looking forward to that. And like I said, I love doing my motivational speaking. I love to get a, in front of a group of people and kind of tell them my story and, and to motivate them the, the best that I can. I have a book coming out. Um, it was written about me this time and it's what they call an authorized biography. And it's called Against the Odds, the Jackie Callan story. So I'm really, really happy about that. I was approached to do a show that's a combination of the Golden Girls, uh, Love Connection, and the real housewives so we're getting together a group of women of a certain age and um, i'm going to be kind of their i don't know if it's a matchmaker advisor um, whatever but i'm going to try to help these women find love 
at a, a kind of an older age, so to speak. Okay. And so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm taking the lead role in a, in a movie this summer. And uh, it's called One's Honesty. And it's a, a movie about teen suicide. And I'm excited about it. I've never done acting before, but um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that I'll do a good job. I don't want to let anybody down. And the subject matter is so important to me because I think there's so many young people today that are confused, conflicted, and see that as the only way out. And it's not the only way out. So this will be shooting in August and I hope to do justice to the subject. And, you know, every day is a new challenge and I like to cross whatever bridge is in front of me. And so I never know from one day to the next what opportunity is going to present itself. Um, I do a podcast similar to yours, a boxing podcast, which I love, Out of the Ring. And I just think that life is full of so many wonderful opportunities if you're open to it. You know, a lot of people, something will come along and they'll think, oh, I can't do that or that's too much work or I don't have time for that. But you do have time for that. It's about time management. And if something intrigues you and you think you can do it well, do it. Go for it. There is time. You'll make time. But I just don't want to leave anything on the table. I don't want to pass a good opportunity up. So for me, if it presents itself and if it's something I think I can do, I'm going to do it. And you're going to do it great and gracefully and with some great honor. I'm, I'm excited for you and I'm really happy for you too. What are some gold nuggets that you can leave with the listeners to where they can turn those gold nuggets into a, a gold mine? Can you phrase that in a different way? Say it again, but put it to me a little differently. Like what is some, what are some suggestions that you can give to our viewers that they can use and they can keep it with them for like a lifetime? Some, some words of wisdom. Well, a lot of it's what we were talking about already. It's that belief in yourself. And that's the hardest part, I think, because I know a lot of very gifted, talented people who just don't believe that they're as good as they are. Maybe they've had people in their life, a husband or a parent or a jealous friend who told them, oh, you're not that good or you're not that pretty or you're not that smart. You can't let, or you're too old. You know, I'm closer to 80 than to 70. I'm 76 years old and I still feel like I can do whatever I want. I feel that I have a lot of good years, God willing, left. I don't let negatives affect me. And that's what I would tell most people. Don't listen to the negative voices, whether they're in your own head or whether they're coming from outside. Just block them out. Just stay focused on yourself and what you want to do. Don't let other people affect that or, or try to bring you down because they will. People do have a tendency to do that. If you're doing really well, they're jealous and they might tell you something that's negative just to kind of bring you down to their level. Don't listen. Don't listen to negative voices, including your own. And that's hard. I'm not saying that's something easy to do, especially if you're a person that's been kind of talked down to or had a lot of negativity in your life. It's very hard to reprogram that, to delete those old messages and put in new messages. You have to really work at that. But look in the mirror. Look at yourself. 
and you'll realize that you're prettier and smarter than a whole lot of other people. You really are. You just might be comparing yourself to an unrealistic goal, but accept who you are and honor who you are. Be happy with who you are. And again, treat people kindly because I find that people react to that in a very positive way. If you're in a restaurant, you get served something. It's not the way you want it. Don't yell at the server. She didn't make it anyways, or he, but with kindness and a humbling attitude, people will go overboard for you. When I go to return something, a lot of places don't take things back, but if I put it in a nice enough way, they'll take it back. If they like you, they will do whatever they can for you. If they don't like you, forget it. So likability is a big factor and, and likability comes with kindness and it comes with acceptance that you got, you know, you're not going to win every situation and you have to accept loss with humility. That's what I'm trying to say. Be humble. If you don't get your way, okay. You didn't get your way today. Tomorrow's another day. But don't yell at people. Don't take all your frustrations on other people because they'll end up not liking you. And when that happens day after day, you'll find there's a whole lot of people that don't like you and they don't want to go out of their way for you. So try, try doing it the other way and compliment people a lot. Find something nice in everybody. You know, I found that it's like a magic wand. I'll have this really grumpy, irritable weight person come up and, you know, I can tell they're having a bad day. And just by saying, wow, you look really nice today. Or, you know, I'd love to see you smile. You look like you have a really nice smile. And then when they smile, you change their whole day and open a door for somebody. I've picked up a, a bill for someone in a restaurant that was eating alone and they just looked so down and I'll go up and say, can I, can I treat you today? I would love to do that. Little things mean a lot and they make you feel better than the other person. Truly. You know, I do certain things and it just makes me feel like a million bucks. So I think I would tell people to just be a little kinder, a little more patient, a little more humble. Everything you said was correct because a lot of times when we encounter people, like I said before, a lot of people are going through some things. And like you just said, just saying some kind words or even just smiling and saying, thank you, you're welcome, please. Those are simple things that we should all know how to do. And it does change the whole aura of the whole situation. So I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you again for taking the time Oh, of course. I loved your questions and you seem to be in agreement with me on a lot of things. So I think we probably have a similar mindset and I love the opportunity you gave me to share some of my thoughts. And, you know, if even one person learns something or, or maybe change their attitude a little bit, then I'm thrilled. And I am too. So everybody, you all have seen it and you've heard it here first on the Stafford Boxing Report. Please like, share, and subscribe. And on Monday, June 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have Mr. Aaron Snowell on the show. Oh, I love Aaron. Yes, he was the youngest boxing trainer 
and inductee in the Boxing Hall of Fame. And also go check out our Stafford Boxing YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Stafford Boxing, the making of champions. This was a pleasure.